on page on page Lamed Zayin, we're finishing this first section of the Maimer of the Sefer, and I'm not. You'll see. You'll see what he, what what we're getting at. We're getting to. Been working towards this point. Tzarek Zehi was gedolah in the Kuda Hazu. You recall. I, I, I'm sure some of you remember that that the tzaddik he was explaining that we have a problem in life that it's possible even for a Jew to be mole mitzvahs kirimon for a Jew to be doing mitzvahs his entire life and he's careful with all of the mitzvahs and he's still, the Gemara says afilu reikonim shebehem mole mitzvahs kirimon that even, that even Jews who are empty are filled with mitzvahs like a pomegranate and we were asking from one of the great Rosh Yeshiva of the last generation if the person is filled with mitzvahs like a pomegranate, then how could he be empty? So the sad reality that the tzaddik was explaining is that it's possible that one's entire life of Torah mitzvahs, with, even though he's filled with Torah mitzvahs, he's learning Torah and he's observing all the mitzvahs and he's trying to stay away from Averis, still that leaves him st- with a terrible emptiness. There's no feeling of attachment to Hashem's world because that Nakuda that we've been learning about from the beginning of the Sefer, that point of Devekis Bashem, of being attached to God, is what binds together all of the mitzvahs. So that all of one's mitzvahs, all of one's davening, all of one's learning is all revolving around that, that single goal, which is to be attached to HaKadosh Baruch. But if a person puts on film, keeps a yantiv, keeps Shabbos, does this, doesn't do that, everything is just like a a separate, lonely little mitzvah doesn't have really a connection to anything else in his life. Each, each part of his Yiddishkeit is just a, a, a separate piece. So it could be that a person's whole life is keeping Torah mitzvahs, but there's no glue that's holding it together, that it should be one shtick Yiddishkeit. And that, that glue is called Dveikas Bashem. Even in modern, in modern SSL they call glue Devek, right? That's the, the dveikus is the is the devik, is the glue that, that brings everything together. So the, therefore, the the author of the sefer is telling us we shouldn't make a mistake to think that what we've heard since we're children that if you just just keep mitzvahs, be good, don't try not to do various, and then you'll eventually feel very close to Hashem. Many of us, I'm speaking for myself, are the living proof that that's not true. That just by doing things, it doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily inspire you, doesn't necessarily get you to feel full. And after all the years of keeping mitzvahs, one can still feel terribly empty, Hashem. Because what's missing is Hashem's book. What's missing from all of our Yiddishkeit is Hashem. And that's the devek, that's the glue. So look on page Lamed Zayin. And therefore he concludes this section of the of the Sefer with, Sarah, see, in the so we have to be very careful with this point. There are many who feel, who are certain that their way is a true path, that they're living the true path. And because this is the true path, and by the way, oftentimes they'll disqualify other paths. I'm, talking about, I'm, only, I'm only talking about among Orthodox people, obviously, I'm not talking about people, Jews who are not keeping mitzvahs, so that's, for whatever reason, that's not, obviously, that's not, in, that's not Amos. But, but within our little world of Torah mitzvahs, a person is convinced that this is the true way, and therefore this path that I'm on will lead me eventually to being close to God. Ulam zelot tamid amiti. That's not always true. Lefamim zeterbitz milava b'derech kasha yosef amitis yosef. Sometimes it's just an excuse. It's an excuse because the person really doesn't want to work hard and to seek something which is harder and is and is truer. And because of the fact that he's used to this way of life, he's used to this kind of Yiddishkeit. Anybody that says that, the, that, I'm, that my way of observing mitzvahs, that the way that I'm not talking about specific minhagim, you know, whether you, whether you like to have kreplach and purim or not, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about, minhagim. I'm talking about how you keep these sides of, of, of Yiddishkeit and your amuna. Anybody who says, well, uh, this is the way my parents were, so I'm that way. Who's, who says that that was Amos to begin with? And, 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 and what does that mean, Bechlal, in your Yiddishkeit, that that you are because your parents? How many times have I had conversations like this with people that someone will say to me, "Well, that's the way my, you know my parents sent me to that kind of yeshiva, so I'm sending my kid." To that. What does that? 
Mehechetaisa, I mean, where do you, from where do you know that that's, did you really, really work out the Indian? Or are you just seeking an excuse because you know that there are more intense ways of keeping mitzvahs? And there are deeper ways of keeping Yiddishkeit, but you'd rather not do that. So you, you found a certain niche for yourself that you're comfortable with, and you say that this is the this is the Darachim, this is the true, this is the this is the true path. Maybe it's just you don't want anything that's really, really true. Maybe you don't want that. Maybe you're just using this so called tradition that you have as an excuse. And you and you don't want the Amis. That's what he says over here. It's more convenient, it's easier for a person to feel that my way is the true way. This is the right way, this is fine. And then the, this, is bring, this is going to bring me to be close to Hashem. What will a person do that if at the end of his life, what if when you're 120, you find out that it wasn't the right way? It wasn't the right way. It was what you said all along that that you want to live this kind of Yiddishkeit because this is the, this is what uh, this is what's right. And what if you find out afterwards that it's not right? You find out that it, it never led you to feeling closer to Hashem. What you believed, what you said was always, this is the way uh, uh, I was raised, and this is the way that I'm going to raise my children, and this is how I go. And you, and you see that at the end, we only get, you know, we get, in our, with our presence, in our present state, we get really one shot at things. And then it's chaval, no? It's 120 to find out that it's, it never did happen. You know, in other words, you never did achieve any kirvas Hashem. There never was any closest to God. And we've all come to acknowledge, anybody that's serious and has learned so far knows that the purpose of being a Jew is kirvas Hashem is closeness to God so if a person finds out at the end of his life that he did, means that he didn't achieve the purpose that he agreed was the reason why God sent him into this world was to be attached to him was to seek kirvas Hashem in this physical world so he says then it will be too late then it will be impossible to turn the wheel backwards. Be, you can't go back in time. And to try to live your life in a different way. Then it will be too late. You can't start again. Certainly, he says, it's very hard to prove to a person that the way that the path that he's on cannot lead to a feeling of closeness to God. And people are, people resist, as you know, and all of us know. People re- resist very much hearing something, hearing anything negative about what they're doing, or hearing that that, that, that what they're doing is not the right way, and that it's not going to uh, produce the desired effect, the desired results. I mean, people don't like to hear that, and it's very, very hard to come and tell somebody that it's unlikely that your Yiddishkeit is going to lead to kirvas Hashem. So people don't want to hear that. They're uncomfortable with that. Even though the Mitzvah seems to be very clear that day after day, month after month, year after year, that you're going through the motions of Yiddishkeit and you don't feel any relationship to God, it doesn't seem that all of a sudden like something's going to happen. Like why would something happen all of a sudden? So, nevertheless, it's hard to tell that to people. People become very, very upset or angry and they feel that they're being judged by you and they don't like that. Certainly there are many paths, all within Allah, of course, that lead to Hashem, the Sfadim of their way, Chassidim, non-Chassidim, and so on, and even among the Chassidim, the different groups, among the Sfadim, among the, among the Ashkenazim, you have, you have B'nai Torah, the Litvisha type, and you have the, the Hezder type, and so on. All wonderful, wonderful Jews. And there are many paths that lead to Hashem's Baruch, and that lead to closeness to Hashem. And Hashem has a great love for the Jewish people who who seek these different true ways of drawing close to him. He says, I'm not talking about we're not dealing here with whether you're whether you're a, a, a Litvak or a Chassid. That's not the point. Both of those are true paths. Whether you whether you're Litvish or a Chassid, you're a Swadish, those are all true paths. We're talking about within your path. Whether or not Bemis Bemis, you're seeking closeness to God. 
or whether you're not you're living up to the expectations of that tzaddik whose path you follow, whether it was the, whether it's the way of the Chavetz Chaim or the Zolnagon, the great Lutfish Tzaddikim, or whether it's the way of the Balshamtiv and his students, or whether it's the way of the Benish Chai and you know the Sfadish Tzaddikim. Are you really really beemis beemis? Those Tzaddikim certainly were very close to God. There's no question about it. And those Tzaddikim wanted us to be close to Hashem. So good. So the Vilna Gaon's path was that the closeness is, is achieved in the most powerful way through, through learning, through Torah. And the Balshamtavs, although the Balshamtav agreed, of course, with the greatness of Torah, but he felt that the closeness is, is in our generation will be achieved more intensely, but through through davening and through and through nigunim and through pnimius uh, at Torah, learning Torah in a deeper level. And so, I mean, there are different ways, but they're all amis. But but the question is whether or not you've, you're making a mistake in your in your way of living that path. Therefore, a person must always reevaluate. Reevaluate. That's a hard thing to hear. That's a very, very hard thing for people to hear. Because we become, we become very set in our ways and we don't want to shake things up and we don't want to make changes. We've had, there are people in the, in the community who have described to me the unbelievable challenges that they've had trying to make small adjustments in their lives. And not even within their family, but have friends have, have actually, friends have. Uh, have resented them for making changes. I've had people who, you know, we have so many stories that I've heard of, of a, a woman decide that she wanted to cover her hair and there are friends that made her life miserable. If she would walk around in a bathing suit on Central Avenue, nobody would have, would have said anything. They, they may have said, you know, are you sure you want to do that, honey? But other than that, it wouldn't have been with a kind of anger, anger and resistance and <laughs> resentment that, that many of the people have suffered as a result of their wanting to, to make changes. Changes challenge and scare and frighten, undermine and, and usurp that feeling of, of security that people have that they never ever want to check and to reevaluate is my way, is my life amnestic? Am I leading a true life? Forget about the silly arguments when you were, you know, twenty years old that this is it, this is it, and why do you have to you know, I mean Bemis to reevaluate and to ask yourself, is this what God wants? Am I leading a life that's amnestic? And, and and is my path is the path that I'm on not, not, and not the question, well, how will my friends, what will my friends think? What will my neighbors think? What will my parents think? My children? Be'emes, be'emes. Am I, of course all those things have to be taken into consideration, but be'emes, is my life, is my life being led in an emistic way to dveikas Bashem, to, to closeness to God? And everybody has to check. And to be very suspicious. Shema darka hamitis. Maybe the path is not a, it's not true. And don't don't rely upon this that many people are doing this. That's obviously totally infantile. Anybody that talks that way is a baby. Many people are doing this. This, uh, this, this is not risky. I think that mature people, in a moment of truth, certainly don't uh, think that there's any validity to saying many people do that. That's, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't accept if your child came back from school and said many people cheat on the test. Many people, many people lie, many people steal. But when it comes to many people go to this theater or many people go do these things on, on, uh, on their vacations, then all of a sudden it becomes okay. You would never accept that from a child as an explanation. It's all infantile. To say that, to say that, you could, that there are many people that have done this or many people that do this, and that, that doesn't mean that it's Emma's. It usually means that it's Shaker. You understand that. <laughs> He says, you have to check into everything carefully. And you have to speak to a person who's a great person. And, 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 and to try to find the emiss, not to just say, well, my neighbor does that, so why can't I? And that's silly. Not to rely upon things that you heard from here or from there. Things that you heard. Each person has to check very deeply into his path. To cry out and to beg Hashem. That Hashem should help him. That Hashem should help you to find the truth. First you have to decide whether you really want that. And if you really, really want the truth, that you have to daven and beg Hashem to show you the truth. And again, we're only talking about people who are orthodox. We're not talking about the truth, whether you should keep Shabbos or not keep Shabbos. That's not the safest not written for individuals who are questioning that. 
Everybody we're talking to, all people are showing the Shabbos keeping, and trying to keep mitzvahs. We have to dive in your whole life that Hashem's book should help you, that you should go on the true path. She yiskil derech amitish shetakarve salakadosh baruch that you should beemis be zeichet to the true path that will bring you closer to Hashem. Va'afim haderech amitish, and even if it's a true path, tzarech l'spal she yiskil lahaven asakaray. You have to dive in. You should be able to understand your responsibilities and what to do. Kipamim rabbi saderech amitish. Many times you you are living according to that true path. Rak shahadim einam avina karay, but you just don't understand it properly. You don't know what that path demands of you. You don't understand it. You have to daven a lot that you should understand. The bottom line is, every person must choose a path in life that's clear, and that will clearly bring him to that state of attachment to God. And we should daven a lot, a lot Hashem, that each and every one of us should find that path that that, is, that works for each and every one of us within the way of Yiddishkeit. And now, the, and now the tzaddik gets to the underlying issue. Pay close attention because this is something that them is. It's so simple, it's so clear, and so and so important for us that really could be the most important thing that we're learning in our lives. After we've clarified that man's obligation and responsibility in Tachlis is is to be close and attached to Hashem. And that has to be the objective of your entire life. Now we must clarify, we must begin to explain in a very clear way, how do we live in this world in the proper way that will bring us to Kirvas Hashem? And we're going to now write, he says, I'm going to write very, very simple things. And it's so simple, it's go- you're going to say, of course, of course, I know all of this. The truth is, whoever understands, meaning serving Hashem in a deep way, in, in a pnimistic in a way, Yadaya knows that man's entire, serve, man's entire way of serving in this world, who lavad aladvarm hapshutim vayidum, is to work constantly davka on those things that are simple and obvious. That is the ikra avoid, the main avoid of a Jew in this world is davka, not in the fancy stuff, but davka in those things that are what? Pshutim and yidum. Simple and clear. As, as the Ramchal writes, the race sifra misil sisharm kiyadua, at the beginning of misil sisharm, the kamad the pashit ma'alya. The simpler it is, the greater it is. And the clear nakuda, the clear point that we have to remember throughout this entire journey is that we have to we have to understand and accept everything and to do everything in absolute simplicity. The more a person understands and accepts these things in Pashtis, in a simple way, the closer you will come to the truth, Tashem. And the more a person begins to get lost in all of the fancy Cheshbainis, you start to get into all kinds of Cheshbainis. I don't know, maybe it doesn't apply to me, maybe this is only talking about years ago, maybe this is only talking about certain times, you know. You start to get into all kinds of cheshbainas. When I'm, when I'm later, you could argue with this. You could argue, maybe this is something that's not so clear. The more a person gets into cheshbainas, one second, the more a person gets into cheshbainas, and you try to calculate everything and get complicated, that's, that will cause you to get further and further away from the truth and further from Hashem. That's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's the Sadas Tevra. One has to understand that the secret of inner life, of, of the inner life of a Jew, it's a world of spiritual simplicity. Pashtus nafshis. 
We say it every morning, my God, Elokai, the soul that you gave me is pure. Said somebody at the table this past Shabbos, wonderful, wonderful people, and they had a son. And he and, and he was sent with a he was sent from uh, from uh, with a group of people who were supposed to go to someplace out of town and to and to try to help Jews that were not religious, to help uh, to talk to teenagers that were not religious. From conservative and reformed temples and to try to be Makar of them or something. So this group that organized this this uh, seminar, whatever you call it, prepared for each of the for each of the boys a source book, like 50 pages of what to learn with these unaffiliated or whatever uh, these these Jews at in these places, a source book. He said like this thick of sources, you know, from all like fancy stuff. Okay, you know, whatever, translated things, which obviously they don't know Hebrew, but you know, Rabbi Eric Kaplan and, uh, and Rabbi Soloveitchik, and you know, all the real geschmacke, good, good things, and you know, from all these, uh, you know, a lot of pieces from the Rambam, and, uh, you know. So he said, like, so this, this, book, this boy said that, like, so he got, to the, he got to this group, they gave him his group of like 15 guys, and he sits down with them, he's looking at them. And he, and, and he looks at this source book, and he was preparing it for like two months, the source book. You know, he's working on this source book, like to get it ready, to say fancy stuff over, and, he, and then he said, just, he like threw it away, and he started to sing Shlomo Kalabach with him. <laughs> tell, tell stories. He said that these guys, he's still, he's still connected to them. He says, many of them are now in yeshivas. He says, the ones that were with the source books, not one. They're just sitting there yawning, and like looking at the watch, and, making, and rolling their eyes. And you can't believe it. I mean, the Rambam is good, no? Can't Rambam is Givaldic. There's something wrong. See, Rav Salvechik, Rabbi Kaplan is beautiful stuff. Everybody's looking for pshitas, simple truth, the simple truth. That's why, that's why there's so much. I don't even have, where do you begin in the schools of Shemirachim with all the complications with the in-service, out-service meetings and board meetings and Vaita and all kinds of curriculums and new curriculums and old curriculums and, and this and evaluations and social workers coming to tell them how to love Jewish children, the rebellion or every single day in the classroom with the kids and so on and so forth. All of these complications. Every Jew is chalishing for pashtas. Talk to me straight. Simple. That's what everybody wants. Not to say that the learning is not all those things are not beautiful. Those are all nice. Those like you know, those are like fancy, you know, like the, 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 those are like luxurious suites in the building. But that a person should be a Jew, a person should be a Yid. What are you giving a source book? He goes to, they're sending out like to, they're sending out to you know to, to Kansas with 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 a source book to talk to people. They, they, they don't have a source book. So a, a, a curriculum for Jewish studies. You read these things, you know, you, you get sick because you know it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Maybe it'll work for one, like intellectual. But everybody's and even then, it doesn't sustain a person. Pashtas. So he says we have to talk about that simple reality of the soul that I have is pure that we see every single morning. And like a child, he says, "Ukeshem tahor," with a little kid who's pure, absolutely pure, who's, who's not tainted by the tree of knowledge, who maven dvarm shutim. Kid understands simple things. A child understands simple things. Dvarm shutim. The Baruch Shalom's your father. He loves you. Not to say to you say good and go say to a little kid. Do you believe in the incorporeality of the uh, uh, the imminence and transcendence of the Creator of the world? Whereas for a little child, it means absolutely nothing. A child, because of the tahara, because of his pureness, the child is chalishing for straight, pashta, simple, simple truth. We get once we get lost in the tree of, of knowledge, and we think that we need we need something that's more complicated. It's not true. We need exactly what we needed when we were little children, and we're dying because no one is talking to us that way. No one is giving us that simple truth that we wanted and we received when we were little little kids. No one's giving it to us anymore. They they, they think they were too sophisticated, and we tried to carry ourselves in such a sophisticated way. And the emphasis we're chalishing for the simple truth. That's what that's what's so absolutely beautiful about this sefer, because that's how he that's how he talks to us. He says, Cain. He says, 
He says, Kishem Shalashu Hadayim Tarhu, Maven Dvaram Shutam, a child is so pure, he only understands Dvaram Shutam. That's not because of, that's not because the kid is dumb, or, or he's, he, he's not, not uh, sophisticated. It's because the child is pure that he can't stand anything that's convoluted. He can't stand anything that's convoluted. That's not real. That's, that's complex. Meaning that it, it, it doesn't go straight to the point. So it is the soul of a Jew. That point inside of us that's still pure, that hasn't been tainted and blemished and stained by sophistication. That point in us that's still pure, it needs very badly simple things. Can you imagine you have a, a, a husband and a wife and, and it's the, like you know their 25th anniversary, and, and she's looking forward to this for a long time. That maybe you know, finally maybe he'll say something you know. Bahamas, and and like, and it's the anniversary, and they go out to eat, and he says you know there's something I've wanted to tell you for a long time, and she says what what is that? And she's all excited now. Finally, he says, I, I really enjoy the uh, I really enjoy the level of intelligence that you add to our conversations. <laughs> It's the biggest disappointment in a, in a woman's life. It's the biggest disappointment. You can't believe it. You know, how did you get into such a situation? You just want drunk shoot them. It doesn't even have to be. Doesn't have to be an email or a card. It doesn't have to be just drunk shoot them. Very very simple. Because that that little Hanukkah that little Hanukkah uh, light inside that little jar of untouched oil that hasn't been opened and defiled. It just wants to find Pshutim like a little child. It doesn't want, and, and, and it's so frustrating when you have a marriage where one wants that and the other one doesn't understand how to provide that. Doesn't know how do you provide that? How do you. And is trying to understand and is asking you, could you explain what do you mean? Do you have a source book on our marriage? Maybe you could provide me with a source book and I'll be able then to prepare. I'll go to the library and I'll prepare. Just like you have these Bachram, like the, you know, that somebody coaches them what to say on the date. So yeah. that's right away. Like that's a very, very unappealing thing to a person. Understand? When when someone's looking for drum, shoot them, shoot Something very, very simple and not convoluted. And I'm very afraid because we always we always needed the women to remind us of that. There was always the special, special kach of women to to remind us of, of the simple truths. And, and in our generation, many of the women are also getting complicated in that way. It has nothing to do with intelligence. It has to do with being complicated and convoluted. Men always had their pilpulm, and women always had a certain s- sweet, simple... Our grandmothers, how they understood Hashem, and how they had lived their lives as Jews, in, in a very, very, very simple way. And it's scary, because... because many of the women nowadays are being, are being not only... it's not only tolerated, but... They're being encouraged to get complicated. And again, I'm not talking about educated or intelligent. I'm not a misnagate to that at all, Chassashon. Complicated. And there's a difference. And we need Dvaram Pshutim, especially from the mothers and from the wives, Dvaram Pshutim. They're always the teachers of Dvaram Pshutim. Simple, clear. That which is absolutely, absolutely clear. I once told you that when the Kotzke, when Mendel from Kotz became the famous, famous, biggest Rebbe in the whole world, he went back to his hometown of Tomashev, and he came back there, but now he came back like a king, to his home, to his village, Tomashev. And when he got, when he got there, there's a whole, there's a whole fight going on. Where was he going to stay? Where was he going to, where was he going to sleep and stay when he was in Tomashev? So the, the, there was a very, very rich man there, the richest man in Tomashev, of course, expected he has a palace and the famous Sadiq, the, 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 you know, the hometown boy that made it big is going to come stay by me. And the Rav, and the Rav, and the Rosh Hashiva, everybody, you know, they were all vying for the Kotzke to come. In the end, the Kotzke went to, to his first grade uh, Rebbe from Chayde. And everybody was insulted, of course, and the Kotzke didn't care about those things. He was Emmas. So they asked him, they asked, so he had the, his Rosh Hashiva, asked him, Mendel, how could you go to, how could you come to me? She says, Rabbi, please don't be insulted. You know, you know how much I respect you, how much I love you. But I have to tell you, 
the only thing that's absolutely clear in my life is what is what is the olive base that my Rebbe in first grade taught me. Ever since then, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I'm not sure that, that olive base. Is, I, I got that. I don't know. Everything is like I'm trying to work on it, but the olive base. He says, I, I love you too, but my olive base Rebbe, he gave me he gave me that simple truth, that pashtus. That's why the first grade teacher, the first grade Rebbe, is so so crucial, so important for a child. It should be that that pashtus. He should be a simple person. He should be a simple person. I remember when my son was in Cheda. He had a first grade rabbi that was a sweet, unbelievable sweet person. He was a, a Yid that was a Balchuva that, that grew up on a farm in the Midwest somewhere. And he spoke like that still. Except with a beard and taste. But he still spoke, he still spoke that way. I, mean, I, would, I, I would go, I would, I would go for parents' teachers. I, just to, I had such Hanar. I, I didn't always hear the ones or everything I wanted to hear, you know. <laughs> but I just found no from me, the way he would speak. The way he'd, there's a there's a friend of mine. He's a very choshev. He's a rosh hashiv, and he had his son in this class too. And my friend told me that he went to he went to parents' teacher and he was meeting with his rabbi also about the son. And he was going on for a half hour about the complications, the difficulties that he has with his little uncle. The father was going into all the problems he has with the uncle, and this and that, and we don't have to do about it, and we don't have to do. So the rabbi, this fo- former Farm boy says to this Rosh Hashiv, he says, but the happy the way he spoke, I can't imitate that, but he spoke with the whole accent. He says, hey, you know, you ever, you ever try talking to your kid? <laughs> <laughs> so he said, so the Rosh Hashiv said, I don't think so. No, I mean, he said, the badness, I've tried like all different things, I don't really think I ever spoke, I don't think I ever spoke to him like. So, so he said, so the, guy, the baby said, He's a good kid. I think you should talk to him. Maybe. <laughs> Try talking to him. I, you find out he's got a lot of things. He's got a lot of good stuff to talk about. He's all right. You should talk to him. That's the way he spoke. And the kids, chalished. every word that he said was gold to them. They looked up to him. They loved him. They followed him around like the Pied Piper. And you know why? Pashtas. Because they felt there was, there was somebody that had a pure soul like they had. They felt there was somebody who didn't eat from the tree of knowledge. And they love that. They relate to it. They, they, they want it. And so do we. We want it very, very badly. And, and we're looking for that. So he says, It's next to the last line. On page, Lamin Ches. In order for us to awaken the inner point, that pure part of us, then the Shama that's pure, Inside of us, that little kid, in order to awaken that, you can only do that with pshitas. Simple. Simple and clear. This is the key to the entire path that we're now about to to go upon. This is the key. You wanted to? Please. You want to ask a question? You, you wanted to ask Yeah, I wanted to um, understand better what, uh, because simple... Uh, what you understand under simple, because you can you can understand it in different ways. Okay. And even uh, also simple in which field? You mean is it in every field, or in something more specific? Well, we're talking specifically about about one's relationship with Hashem. In your relationship with Hashem, to seek that that kirva, that dvekas, that closeness, and that attachment. It has to be simple. But what you'll see in a, mi- in a moment, over the next few pages, is that it's universal. Meaning it's it's for everybody. He's talking to all of us. What we were saying in the last, at the end of the last chapter, mm-hmm. was that certainly there are ways that are true. Like I said before, the Chassidim and the Litvish and the Sfadish and they're all true. In your way, though, with, in all of these ways, there's a common, common nekuda, a point that they all share in common. That's what we're going to be talking about now. All of us share in common. Whether you have light skin, a dark skin, whether you have a strimal, a hat, or a knitted yarmulke, whether you, whether you uh, come from Galicia, from Poland, Hungary, or Yemen. There's an inner point that's, that we all have this the same. That's why we're not going to allow ourselves to be schlepped along to that, into that stuff. That stuff is all later on. You like this? You feel that you can get close to Hashem through that? Good. But we have to talk about that which is absolutely clear and simple. You'll see. But because it goes just to one point. That's what we're going to see, right. That's the Nakuda. That's what he's saying now. Let's continue. 
What is the point? What is this point? So how do we begin? Lemaisa. The question we've been waiting for. So, so how do we how do we begin Lemaisa to to work on this? What do we do? What's what's the avoid? The, the, I mean, the, the, this pastures the nakuda, the simple nakuda of how to begin working on closeness to Hashem. Doesn't that sound silly? Anybody want to translate? What does that mean? He ha akara sheish bari la'elam. What does that mean? Huh? No? He ha akara sheish bari la'olam. The recognition that there is a creator of the world. Oh, well, you making fun of us? We're, we're religious people, we're Orthodox Jews. We have self cleaning ovens and everything. <laughs> what are you talking about? He ha akara sheish bari la'olam. The recognition that there's a creator. A simple and clear recognition that there's a creator of the world. The pastors near Lebni Adam, Shes Hayidiyah Hazu, Shiyesh Bari La'Ilam, Sarif Lahidiyah Adam, Shadayin Lazach, Lidrech, Al Miftani Yahadis. You would say simply, your first reaction to this is that this piece of information that there's a creator is something that you would have to you'd have to tell to a person who's never ever had any connection to Yiddishkeit. Who's never who's never been you know who's never attended any of our meetings or been part of our club. And to such a person who's totally unfamiliar, such a person we would tell and try to explain and to prove. That there's a creator of the world. And we'd have to use all kinds of proofs. All kinds of proofs. But we would say, offhand, that anybody that grew up in a house of believing Jews, of Orthodox Jews, believing people, who are very careful in their observance of Torah, whose entire lives are spent, immersed in Torah and Mitzvahs. What is the purpose of telling them that there is a Creator? Like when the, many times I mentioned to you, when the Bedich were called the whole town together in Bedich to come to the big shul, nobody knew what it was about. It was like a Tuesday morning. And the Bedich came, and then everybody was afraid of what was going on. Thousands of people, and he came, and he stood up on the beam of the towels over his head, and he said, he said, Jews, don't forget that there is a Creator. And then he walked away. And all the people he was taught, the whole town of Bedichu were, were observant of mitzvahs. Everybody was there. And, the, and they're all learning Torah and keeping mitzvahs. And the Bedichu said, don't forget. Don't forget that there's a creator. And I, I, there's, I'll share with you an experience I, I once told you. That I remember when I was in yeshiva, I was going home once on a, on a Thursday night or something. And I was on the train. Not the Long Island Railroad. That's the, the A train. That that, that that goes through interesting areas. <laughs> and I was coming home, and and I was sitting there, and I was and I was I was learning mishnayos or something. And there was a and there was a, a nun. That was sitting across from me, a nun. And she was saying prayers. She was saying tehillim, psalms, out loud. I mean, not loud, but but she was saying it in an audible way. And I couldn't help, you know, but hear this. And 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 I was thinking to myself, that's really beautiful stuff. What she's saying is really beautiful. And and I was very moved by it. And of course, I caught myself and said, you're not allowed to be moved by these things and and the tradition, you know, and not to <laughs> and uh, to be the good yeshiva bacha. But I was I was mamish like I, I was so drawn to it, you know. And, and after around a minute, I realized, of course, which capital it was, which chapter Tillman was. And it's a chapter that we say every single day. I just never thought about it. I just said the words. You know? Just say the words. And then, and then it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I just never thought about it. In those days, we didn't, you know, nobody used English to Durham. We just grew up with the Siddur and you know, it was put in our hands together with uh, together with the food and we did what we had to do. But the words, I just, they're beautiful. And it was about God. So why do we have to tell a person? Why do I have to tell a person who was raised in a home of Torah mitzvahs 
that there's a creator. But they don't know it. The simple thought that a person has, a religious Jew has, that on, regarding this this point of whether or not there's a creator, I don't have to work on this at all. There's, this is one thing I have to work on. I have to work on my sleeves, my skirts, I have to work on my children's chinuch, I have to work on my midas, I have to work on Lashon Hara, I have to work on all these. But there's a creator, I have to work on that. I don't have to work on that. And what if you would go over to somebody in shul on a Shabbos morning, and he just got there, it's a quarter to ten, and he begins a conversation with his neighbor, and you would stop and ask him, do you believe in God? And he would say, I'm insulted that you're asking me that. And you would say, you sure you believe in God? I'd say, I'm, a, I'm, I'm orthodox. Of course I believe in God. And and your belief in God, is that clear to you? Is that simple? Is it obvious? Is it something that you live with, mamish, every minute? So now it's getting a little bit more complicated. Yeah, it's getting a little sticky. I, I, I believe in God, I told you. Do you live with that thought constantly? And now he's not answering. See, if you would live with it constantly, how do you explain the fact that you have, on the holiest day of the week, two hours in the morning, and that you don't care to have the slightest, slightest connection to Him? How do you explain that? So, so what he says is that most people think that they don't have to work on this at all. This doesn't take any work. There's one thing, Baruch Hashem, in my life that I know is secure, and that's my belief in God. Is a push the bar? It's clear. It's obvious. A person feels that my avoider, my struggles, begin on a much higher level, much much higher than that. That's obvious. Ulam zutos. He says that's a mistake. The truth is that every single one of us has to constantly work on this simple point. And to remind ourselves, and to say it out loud, and to think about it. That this is not Hefka, there's a creator. However, he goes, So a person, however, thinks. So, okay, my, I, I asked myself, he says, Rabbi, you asked me this question, and I'm answering it. Yes, I believe in God. So now what's missing? So what's missing from my I, I say I do believe in God. Are you telling me that I have to learn all secrets of Kabbalah or philosophy? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about Kabbalah or philosophy. I'm talking about simple faith. The belief that there's a creator of the world. I'm saying that we have to all work on. In order for us to understand why does that require any work? It seems to be a given from the time that we're in the world. Let me use a marshal to help make this clear. Somebody wins a $20 million lottery. Yeah, he wins the lottery for $20 million. The person who just found out the news that he won this $20 million lottery, he thinks about this all the time. He's thinking about it. The left, when he's walking, when he lies down, when he gets up. And when he's on the street, he can't stop thinking about this. Sometimes even if you didn't win, just if you buy the ticket. I, I, when, I was a, when I was a Rebbe in Yeshiva, many years ago I stopped doing it, but every Friday I, one of the, I would send one of the Bochum to the corner to the candy store to get me a lottery ticket. And then I would find, like Friday night, like I, when I would go to sleep, I, I, you know, after I was learning and everything, I, was, I would lie down and think, you know, like, if I were a rich man. You know, well, like, well, but I had like these crazy, you know, you get these machshavists, like, you know. And then I said, forget it, I, you know, that was the last time I, don't, I, I bought it. But... But let's say a person, Mamish, wins $20 million in a lottery. Every single second he's walking around thinking about it. 
who halabrachav mahar bekach, who shaykev lishlam hai, goes to sleep, he thinks about it. Vekoshle ma'ilis, nothing, mamachshav alaschi, he can't stop. It's very hard for him to stop thinking about this amazing schus that he had to win. Next page. He's thinking about. He's thinking about what, what he's going to do with the money and how he's going to spend the money and so on. Then we have another person who didn't win that, that, that lottery. However, he heard the name of the person who won. He, may, he even knows him. He knows the person who won. Who ain't him is born in rabbis? Of course, he's very happy. He's oh, that's Kavaldi. You know, this guy that I know won, won the twenty million dollar lottery. But that's it. He doesn't. He's not this born in this. He doesn't. He doesn't meditate upon it. He doesn't think about it. Let's take a look at this difference between the one who won the lottery and the one who didn't win the lottery. They both know the exact same information. They both know who won the lottery. The, the guy who won the lottery and his friend. They both know the winner of the lottery. It's not a stranger. They both know who won the lottery. They have the same exact information. Ulam kol but by the person who won the lottery, all of his thoughts are attached to that. He's thinking about it day and night. But the person who didn't win, even though he knows who won, he knows the exact same information. He knows the exact same information. He knows who is the winner of $20 million. But he's not at all attached to this information. He has no... He has no attachment to the information. It's just a cold piece of information. Zelotayfes is called It doesn't grab his entire mind and his heart. It doesn't take over his thoughts or his emotions. We could understand very easily from this marshal when we talk about believing that there's a creator. We all have the information. We all accept the information since we're children or maybe later. If to think about this, the information that you have that there's a creator, how does that information, how how do you relate to that information? Do you relate to it like the person who won the lottery or the person who lost the lottery or didn't win the lottery? If you relate to that like the person who won the lottery, then you can't hold yourself back from, from jumping on the table and screaming at the top of your lungs, how fortunate are we that we're Jews? And that we have a Torah Kedosh and we have the Rabbani Shalom. Did you win the lottery? Or is it just something you know about? So you know that there are tzaddikim that jump on tables and scream that they're happy to be Jews. You know that this is a thing. You have the same information. We have the same information that... We have the exact same information that the Chavot Chaim had. We have the same information. He was... Brilliant, and he had all kinds of deep things. But as far as there being a creator, we and the Chavetz Chaim were told the same thing by our parents: there's a creator. There's a difference, though. In the Chavetz Chaim's life, it was his creator. He won the lottery. We just know about the creator, or we heard about him, and we know that he we know that he exists. But it's not the winning ticket. You don't feel that. He says, Klaimer. He says. This information, this fact that you know that there's a creator, what does it mean to be a mammon? A mammon means, a believing Jew means someone whose thought, whose thinking and feeling about God occupies his entire being. Not just that it's a piece of information. Oh, yes, yes, of course there's God. Uh, so why aren't you davening? Be quiet, it's none of your business. Who made you into a Baal Musa? Anyway, right? Uh, with all the other answers. It's a question of whether you won the lottery. You just know about the winner. So everybody, everybody's, always, everybody's always very touched when they hear stories about great tzaddikim, that, but they feel so far from it. Even though they have the exact same information, but they, it doesn't take over their minds and hearts that there's a creator. Who... who he says, The question is, if you see this fact of there being a creator as something which is your personal, personal victory in life, your greatest schus in life, if you see this as something which 
which identifies who you are, and you're the winner, and you're holding the winning lottery ticket, it fills your mind and heart, and it gives every minute of your life such unbelievable simcha and depth and meaning. It's unbelievable. Stam, some knowledge that you have. Show them your day as I spoke There are a lot of things that we know for certain. Just like this guy knew for sure that his friend down the block won the lottery. But the fact that he won the lottery doesn't uh, doesn't change me. Because you don't think about it. It's not on your mind, it's not in your heart. It's just something that you know. But you're not attached to that knowledge. You don't connect to that knowledge every single minute. In Cain Novin, so we can understand. We all know that there's a creator of the world. How much do we think about it? That's exactly what that young man want, realized when he was sitting there with those, with those kids with, this, with that fat source book in his hand. That's not, what they were, that's not what they wanted to hear. That's not what they needed to hear. Maybe at some point in the future they'll, be, they'll enjoy learning this source book. But that's not what they needed to hear. Because that's just a lot of information. There's a lot of information. But, they wanted, but what they needed to hear is that there's a God, there's, there's, a, there's a Creator who cares about you and who is every single second in your mind and in your heart. Every second of your life, He's with you. And that you can get from a nigan. And that you can get from a story. And you can get from some simple, simple, simple tyrant. From Pashtas. That's Tarasimacha that I was talking about before. That's the mother's tyrant. That the mother always gave the children that tyrant. That's the mother's tyrant. I was having a discussion with somebody who was telling me about the difficulty that she's having teaching in a certain school. And she finds that the, that the girls, so, a woman, that the girls, that it's so hard. They just don't seem to... I'm talking about sixth grade girls. Usually that's still very, very simple, yeah? So they just don't seem to care at all. They don't seem to care. And she said it's a wonder to her. She doesn't know what's going on. And she said it became a little bit easier to understand when it was parent-teachers. And she, she says, there's this little girl that's, there's this girl that, that's just this, so completely, so completely, not non-spiritual, but anti-spiritual. You know, the, she just can't stand anything that's spiritual. And, and the, this is the way, that she told me the way the mother came in, parents-teacher, the mother came in and said, first of all, the way that she carried herself was totally inappropriate. The whole way that she was dressed and how she carried herself was inappropriate. But then she came and she said, she sat down like this. She sat down looking at at, at her, what's it called, the Blackberry, at the computer. While she sits down to the teacher, she's looking at her Blackberry or Palm Pilot, one of those machines. She's looking at it and she says, oh, I know you have absolute terrific things to tell me about my kid. Oh, she adores you. Thank you very much. Have a great evening. Be well. <laughs> and she just walked away. She just walked away. That was it. So she didn't even say. She didn't say anything. This, this, what happened to our grandmothers? You know, the, to hear a word about your child, and then she found. Then she was trying to help, and she found that this woman hires people to do the homework with the child, even though she she doesn't work. She's home all day. She hires somebody to do the homework. She doesn't have the patience. She said. She's impatient. She's only two children. Only, I don't mean that that's not a handful. I understand. But I'm not, I'm saying only because it's not eight, nine children. I understand the person sometimes can't take it. He can go crazy. She has two children. They're a good couple of years apart. And she hires a woman to do homework with the child. Because she doesn't have the gedult. She's too busy with a little machine sending emails to her hairdresser or something. Yeah? Or to her personal trainer. And this person told me the unbelievable difference that they see, that she sees, trying to teach in this area. This is, you know, meaning that this is from this is a school that services this whole five towns in Farakway area, and when she used to teach someplace else. And the difference is, 
Pshitas, Pashtas, simple. Just simple. Of course, there, I'm not saying this is always like that. She wasn't saying that either. But it's a lot. It's a lot, like convoluted. People who are not real. People you can't talk to. They're lost in their little games. There's these, these young mothers with their, with their lives that are so not focused on their, on their ruchnis and on their child's ruchnis. Just take care of my kid and I'm paying full tuition. You better make sure she passes. That's really, there's a lot of that. It's sad, but there's a lot of that. And this pashtas of our grandmothers. I mean, I never had a grandmother, but what, what I got... My mother should have a rich and then my mother never went to any base Yaakov, she never went to any school. She went to she went to school and in concentration camp, that's where she went to school. But she has such an emunapshuta, such a simple way of talking about Hashem, that when we were when we were children, every single word was about Hashem. Every single word was about the about the Rabbanu Shalom. Every word. And she doesn't know this or that halacha she knows, you know. But pashtas. And that, the, and that the feeling always was that this is the that this is the essence of her life. Her Yiddishkeit is not some sideshow. Her Yiddishkeit is not something extra. The Yiddishkeit, everything is Jewish. I, I, when I when I talk to my mother, she should be well. She was just before I came here. Every single thing, every nuance, every word, every expression, everything is 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 Yiddishkeit. Is the burnish from every single word? Neighbors is a health and God's a health and and the, you know and the kinda heart and it did the little shyness. And there's no one else in the world except my children. Nothing in the world, my children. That pashtas. That pshitas. <coughs> when my mother did homework with me as a child, she had to study English. She had to read dictionaries to do English. She didn't know English. My mother my mother would stay up nights trying to learn English so she could teach me and my sister. She didn't know that. She didn't, she didn't uh, hire a, a homework helper. She stayed up nights trying to learn English so she could, so she could teach us. And the, and the memories I have of my mother sitting with a regular typewriter, not the kind nowadays, right? The real typewriter, not even the electric, the one that you have to, you know, <laughs> you have to really... And my mother just, you know, helping with, with my paper and the thing and doing and tracing maps and staying up all night. She didn't know English. But that, but that was, that was a pashtas, uh, that this is who I am, my children, my my Shalom, This is the essence of a person. So that's what he's saying over here. He says, how much is that a part of your mind and your thought? Are you just officially, are you officially a Jew? Are you officially a believer in God? And you have this information, the information that there's a Creator, or is it something that fills your mind and heart, and it's on the tip of your tongue every second? That it comes out of your mouth. How attached are we to this thought? This reality, this belief that there's a creator, it has to live inside your brain, inside your heart, every minute of your life, mamish. Every minute of your life, mamish. This is not some kind of a general information, like a knowledge that you have. Shema Kefes is Kolachai Bolvad. It surrounds your life. It comes up at certain times more by Pesach and by Sukkot. So it's not something that's just like is this thing in your life. This knowledge that there's a Creator, this has to be the Nishmas Chaim, the living soul of your life. B'chol rega, every moment. B'chol eisa, b'chol shah. One more paragraph. Kasavnu b'tchila shetaklis v'chayvus adam alama huliyas karva davik labar elam. We learned at the beginning. The whole first section of this moment was that that our taklis is to live in a state of attachment to God. B'chdei shadam yihiyad davik u'mukhubal adavar mukhrach shiyad davar. We understand. In order for you to be attached to something, it has to exist, right? That's simple, no? In order to be attached to something, it has to be. Imamuhus Sha'ileha says spelling thing. Imamuhus Sha'ileha spelled wrong. Writes a Leos Karvadovic and Nenekayemis if there's something that you want to be attached to and it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Kate said Yadabika Adam Dabish Enakaim, how do you become attached to something that doesn't exist? Bhdesh Adam Yuchalias Karvadovic Lakarish Baruchu. 
in order for a person to be attached to Hashem, the hechrech shiyagish tchila bebirish hakadosh baruch First, the clearest and most powerful thing in your life must be this reality that there's a God, that He exists. Im adam minaser lehiskarev lakadosh baruch hu lefnei shalavav uchash shiyesh bari laylam. If you try to get close to Hashem before your heart feels secure and certain that there is a God, if you're lacking in this in, in this truth that there's a Creator, that means inside your heart, you're in this absurd activity of trying to get close to something that you don't even know exists. What does that mean? It means like looking for Shangri-La, you know, looking for you know, for something that doesn't exist. It's sad. It's very, very sad. And obviously, you lose your you lose your cheshik pretty quickly. You lose your cheshik. If you're not sure that it exists, how badly could you want to get it? If you're uncertain about its existence. That's the whole need of Amalek. You know, this week is Pasha Zohar. You're all going to be in shul. Amalek is uncertainty. You know that. Amalek is suffering. Amalek means not to be sure. It takes away from us all of our cheshek. Lekach, therefore, tchilas ha'avayda shall call Yehudi v'Yehudi. The beginning of the avayda of every Jew, he reishes lochush v'chol levavo mamish sheish bar la'alim. To feel with your entire heart mamish. And to think about it, and to meditate upon it. That there's a creator. Rak la'achem yikain l'nasos la'amol l'hizkar v'lo And then... You could proceed with the with the avoid of getting closer to that which you know exists, but if you're far from that knowledge, then you have to work a lot, a lot, on meditating and thinking about that and working on that, and that realization, and from that point, a person can can then can then proceed with avoid Hashem, and that's that's the whole Indian of of Purim of Adaloyada, that that on Purim we reach a level where we don't have to. That the ikra is not the information. Adeloya, that till you don't know. What does it mean till you don't know? Till you don't have to understand. You just feel that it's true. You don't have to understand. You don't have to, that's what I'm saying. To be like a little child, that means Adeloyada. On Purim, everybody becomes like a little child. Everybody acts like children. And you lose your seicha like a child. On Purim, everybody becomes like a little child because the highest, highest level is when a person reaches that level that I don't have to know. I don't need to understand. You don't have to explain to me. I just know it. It's clear to me in, in, in my heart and in my mind that this is the truth. That's the beginning of one's Avedis Hashem.